Gamaliel was a respected Pharisee in the council. When tensions ran high among his colleagues about the teachings of the apostles in the early church, he put Peter and the others outside for a while and calmly addressed the men of Israel. The wise teacher of the Jewish law reminded his fellow Pharisees of other uprisings that eventually died down. If this plan is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, he warned, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Beware the person who opposes God. 2,000 years later, the Church of Jesus Christ is worldwide. Is it time for you to admit this gospel is of God? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Where do you get your marching orders? From God or from man? Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for tuning in. Well, that which is legal isn't always right. And as you'll see today, that which is illegal isn't always wrong. Today's message is straight ahead as Ron continues his teaching series, AD Acts of the Apostles. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library. That's where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Acts chapter five, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message. Obeying God, not man. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, uh, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, uh, wondering what would this come to. And, and someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. I mean, this is where I chuckle a little bit because... You know, uh, th th this was a, a supernatural prison break where the angel of the Lord in the middle of the night uh, let Peter and the apostles out. It's not the story we always think about, you know, when we sing the Amy Grant song, Angels Watching Over You. That's about a different prison break later in the book of Acts, but this is the first one. We don't talk about this one very much. But here, Peter and the apostles were, were in the prison. The angel of the Lord shows up and lets them out. The irony here is that the Sadducees are all part of the confrontation, and the Sadducees didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels and demons and, you know, the heavenly places and the invisible realm and all that. I just find that very ironic in the story because the angel of the Lord is front and center here. And the next morning, they all get up, and they have this council meeting, and they say, oh, go get the prisoners. And they go, and it's all locked up, but they open it up and they're gone. Uh, 
<laughs> that, that's the funny part of it all. Would have loved to have seen the perplexed look on all their faces. And as they're discussing this, somebody walks in the room and he says, well, they're back over there at the temple in Solomon's portico. And, and they're, they're saying the things that we told them not to say. Uh, by the way, when, when the church faced confrontation here from the culture, the angel of the Lord didn't say to them, now, you, you need to organize a protest and, and a boycott. You got to get after these guys because they're getting in your way. You know what the angel of the Lord told them to do? Just go back and be the church. Just go back and proclaim the message, Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead. All right, just go be the church. And they had found this little place over here called Solomon's Portico. It was a let's just call it a room or an outdoor area in the temple that they had kind of carved out for themselves. And it was the, the place that the early church met when they met in the temple and then, you know, from house to house later in the week. They returned to that place and they just, they just started doing church, okay? How powerful is that? And, and the, the guards and the council walked down there and they didn't want to make a scene because they were very concerned about all the political things going on between the Jews, and they didn't want a bad word to get back to the Romans. So somehow they coaxed the apostles back to meet with the council. So we go from jealousy and intimidation and arrest to a supernatural prison break, and then to more threats to their freedom of speech. Watch it in verse 17 here. Listen to this. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council... And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is not the first time, but at least the second time, and I'll say it in just our 21st century language, they're threatening their freedom of speech. They're saying, we told you not to speak in the name of Jesus and to tell that story about him being crucified and rising again from that. We told you not to do that, but here you are again. And you know what Peter said? He says, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that, and we won't do that again. Not at all. Uh, th this, this is, I, you just got to go three cheers to Peter and the apostles here. And it's where I get the title of this message, Obeying God, Not Man, because Peter says in verse 29, it says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We go from threats to freedom of speech and all of that now to, to Peter and the apostles making a decision to stand strong to stand strong and to say, no, we've we, we got to draw a line in the sand here. We, we have to obey God and not man. And, and then Peter goes on to say this. Uh, he says in verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Now, now Peter was not an educated man. He was a fisherman. 
And, and these Sadducees and the high priests, they were the religious elite. They were not only well-educated but very, very wealthy and very, very well-connected politically. And they kind of looked down their noses at uh, little old Peter, the fisherman, and those apostles, not educated men. But, you know, I got, I got to give Peter credit here. Full of the Holy Spirit, he, he always had the right words to say and at the right time. And he stood with courage. And I'm going to say even with a little bit of kindness. I don't, I don't see any ugliness. He's just speaking the truth. Of course, we don't know the tone, but don't impose a, a nasty tone or anything like that into it. You know, he, he stood with courage and just spoke the truth to power. How much courage does that take? Hey, maybe in your life you got a, you got a line that's being drawn in the proverbial sand, and the question is, are you going to obey God? Or are you going to obey man? Uh, will, will, will you have the courage to stand up for the truth and obey God and not man? Or will you, you know, cave in to the, the pressure there? Uh, th this, this confrontation here reads almost like today's newspaper because, friends, there are, there are challenges to our freedom of speech and the exercise of religion and all of that today that we have to deal with even as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I'm just suggesting, what I'm taking from this 2,000-year-old story and how it applies to me and to us today is um, I, I'm praying that God would give us the courage and the kindness to obey Him and not man and, and to take a stand where we need to take a stand. You say, Pastor, how, how do we do that? Uh, where do we do that? Well, just by way of application, I can think of at least three cultural confrontations that are taking place today that you might have experienced individual as a follower of Jesus, certainly the church as a whole in our culture is facing, and, and we need the courage and, yes, the kindness at the same time to say, listen, this is our story and we're sticking to it. That's kind of what Peter said. This is my story. This is our story. We're sticking to it. Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what we're all about. And we're not going to back down from proclaiming that. In fact, we invite you to be a part of that because this has changed our lives. We are eyewitnesses to this event. Where do we need the courage to obey God and not man today? Let me suggest three ways. Number one, obey God and not man when it comes to life. And I'm talking about defending life in the womb. This has been a cultural confrontation with people of faith in the church for more than a generation. And we need, we need some continuing courage. I don't know if we're reaching a tipping point or not where the majority of Americans, you know, say, listen, we're, we're, we're going to defend life from the moment of conception. We have, we have murdered 50-plus million babies since Roe v. Wade. There was a fight in the British Parliament a century or so ago over slavery, and there was a guy named William Wilberforce, a member of Parliament, who courageously and with kindness, but courageously stood against slavery in Britain. And William Wilberforce is the one that uh, history points to because of his tenacity, because of his commitment, because of his, I, I'm, I'm just not going to back down on this. This is my story and I'm sticking to it. And finally, you know, slavery was gone in Britain. 
Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Obeying God, Not Man. Remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry or to order selected resources like the series you're hearing right now, AD Acts of the Apostles. The entire audio download of this 19-message series can be yours today for a gift to Something Good Radio. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456, or call our offices 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Obeying God, Not Man. Uh, We need some William Wilberforces in the church today. When I was a pastor in Washington, D.C., I I, I met a couple of Congress people. Names that you would probably recognize. One in particular that I had lunch with five or six times. And I remember him telling me that every year that he was in Congress, and he was there for a long time, he introduced legislation to defund Roe v. Wade to defend life. And he was just drip, 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 year after year after year. If I mentioned his name, you would recognize him. And he's still at it today. And... Are we reaching a tipping point? Uh, As a church, we need to stand strong and say, we're going to obey God, not man. There have been some businesses, well-known businesses, that when it comes to health insurance and all that, have said, we're going to obey God and not man. It takes courage, courage mixed with kindness to come face-to-face with this kind of confrontation. Here's a second area. Obey God, not man, when it comes to marriage. Whew. Is it heating up in our culture or what? We're going through a cultural revolution when it comes to the definition of marriage, let alone what male and female means. I was in Atlanta this past week, and I had the opportunity um, to not only gather with my family, but I I, I officiated at a family wedding. And uh, that's always a little interesting because, you know, your uncle and your pastor at the same time, and you got your big brother, you know, sitting down in the front row kind of looking at you like, you know, little bro, don't mess this up. This is my, this is my son. And, you know, but we had a great time. And um, my, uh, my nephew is uh, an officer in the United States Navy in the nuclear sub program. Wow. He's a smart kid. And, you know, he, he, he married his uh, college sweetheart. Um, but we had, a, we had a great family time. But I'm, I'm finding uh, more and more as I do weddings today that I will work into kind of my introduction and welcome um, uh, just, just an understanding of what marriage is. And at some point, I say, you know, God, God is the author of marriage. God created marriage. He created us for relationships, a relationship with Him vertically, a relationship with one another horizontally, and the most precious relationship that many of us have is that horizontal relationship that we call marriage. And God gave us and created marriage uh, to glorify Him and also to uh, give us enjoyment and, and all those kinds of things. And that marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship with His church. There's a mystery there, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm, I'm saying more and more that God and God alone, who created marriage, reserves the right to define marriage at any time, in any place, to any people, and in any generation. It's, it's His deal. We used to have a saying in Texas, don't mess with Texas. It was kind of a don't litter thing. Well, listen, don't mess with marriage. It's God's deal. 
biblical definition of marriage is one man with one woman in a covenant relationship for one lifetime. Now, here's what happened a generation ago. We tinkered with the one lifetime part, and no-fault divorce became the law of the land. And the ripple effect of that through our nation and through the fabric of our families and community has been devastating. Now we're tinkering with the one man with one woman part. And I say, strap on your seatbelts, friends. It'll be another generation before we feel the full effects of messing with God when it comes to marriage. And my question is, will we obey God or not man as the church? Do we have the courage and, yes, the kindness at the same time to say, no, I will obey God and not man. Peter had been thrown into prison how many times? And I, I, just, I, I just think about the ripple effect to his family, okay? Uh, do we have the courage to take the stand for truth in a kind way, but, but to stand for truth? I hope that we do. There's a third area uh, that I'll touch on. Obey God, not man, when it comes to life, when it comes to marriage, finally, when it comes to the gospel the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The message that the early apostles proclaim, Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. You know, this was their story and they were sticking to it. But so many Christians easily kind of waffle and, you know, the culture would like for us to say that Jesus is a way and mitigate the exclusivity and the uniqueness of the gospel, but that's, that's not what Jesus said. It's not what the early apostles said. You just go back a chapter in chapter 4 and verse 12, and the apostle Peter says of Jesus, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name means no other name. And it echoes what Jesus said, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. We don't say that with unkindness and meanness in our heart. We say it because it's true. But will we as a church, and every generation has to fight for the purity of the gospel. Don't forget that, friends. And it'll come with great confrontation. Jude told us to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That faith that was delivered to the saints 2,000 years ago, there's a, there's a battle, a spiritual battle going on for the purity of the gospel. And we have to stand as a church with courage and with kindness that it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. He ascended to the Father and He's coming again. That's our story and we're sticking to it, right? Amen. Amen. Obeying God and not man, takes courage, takes kindness. And I pray today that we have, uh, we have both in full measure to be able to just be the church that God has called us to be in what is sometimes a hostile culture. But, but, but take courage, friends. It's been that way for 2,000 years. It was that way for the early apostles. And they took great risks for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes those risks will come down to a relationship between a neighbor or a friend or 
maybe a job you may or may not get or, or something. Have courage. Say it with kindness. Uh, but be the church where you are. We don't just go to church. That's an event. We are the church. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ and I, I, we're expressions of the church seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year in some area, the place that you live, the place that you work, uh, the place that you have influence that I'll never have influence. And you may be the only expression of the church in that area. And, and there comes a time where you have to take a stand and say, I'm going to obey God and not man. And I just pray that God would give every one of us the courage and the kindness to do that. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Obeying God, Not Man. Ron, one of the things that jumps out to me in the book of Acts is the church's commitment to sharing faith in Christ, even during times of persecution and hardship. Talk about that, if you would, especially considering that we find ourselves still facing some challenges and uncertainty due to last year's pandemic. Thanks, Brian. Before I get to my response, I want to share some great news. While COVID-19 has been ravaging our world, we at Something Good Radio have been busy building a brand new online platform for listeners like you. All of my Bible teaching is now easier to access than ever before. In addition to having a simpler way to listen to our daily radio broadcast, you'll also find a robust streaming platform where you can listen, watch, and, well, download all of our content. Uh, you can search by scripture, by topic, or by title. Uh, best of all, the Something Good Digital Library is free. Everyone now has an all-access pass. I'm also excited to introduce Something Good Television, or what we call SGTV, a weekly television broadcast that you can stream at your own convenience at ronjones.tv or on our Something Good YouTube channel. We have some sample programs up there now, but the weekly broadcast is coming soon. And there's a lot more, Brian, too much to share with, uh, with our friends on air. So let me just invite you to visit the new somethinggoodradio.org or Ron Jones TV. And please share something good with someone else. Now back to your question. Brian, I'm glad you brought this up because as we see in the book of Acts, the church faced some degree of persecution. And it only gets worse as we get deeper into it. But the great thing about it is the church thrived in spite of these challenges. In fact, I'd say the church grew, at least to some degree, because of the trials and hardships they faced. This is great news for anyone facing challenges today in his or her spiritual life. God is working on you, perfecting you. Uh, there will be growth. There will be victory if you handle the trials God's way. Because he is and always will be up to something good in your life. And I'd say the same thing to all of us today, including myself, as we find ourselves still dealing with some of the fallout from the pandemic. Economic uncertainty for individuals, for corporations, for the government itself has and will very likely continue to be a growing problem. There's also as much or more social and political unrest as I can remember in my lifetime, Brian. This is a time when those who don't yet know Christ will be seeking answers, seeking a ray of hope, very often looking to something beyond this world that can satisfy them deep in their soul. And we as believers in Jesus Christ have an opportunity to share the hope 
and the answers we have in Jesus Christ. And that is something we try to do every day here at Something Good Radio. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts about sharing our faith in times of crisis. And Ron, tomorrow you move ahead in your series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Tell us a little bit about that message as we wrap up today's Something Good radio broadcast. You know, Brian, throughout the early part of the book of Acts, we see some amazing things take place, like the supernatural birth of the church and a sermon in which 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. And we've also seen some persecutions arise. The first century church faced plenty of challenges from without, and we'll see even more of that as we move on in the series. But coming tomorrow, we'll talk about a challenge that came from within next time as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. That's Monday when Ron shares his message, putting first things first. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.